Hi, I'm Kyle. And I'm Trevor. And welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you're not familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein myself and Kyle take turns introducing each other to movies, and uh, in this way we catch up on our cinema. Uh, So it is the month of May 2020, and uh, here on the show, once a month, we like to do a special event we call uh, Catching Up on Blu-ray. And essentially what this entails is uh, we take a look at the release calendar for uh, physical media. That would be like DVDs, Blu-rays, and 4Ks. And uh, we just kind of point out any movies coming out to physical media that jump out at us, uh, good, bad, or anything in between. Um, So if you're not familiar with how this works, uh, we're just going to be going through the calendar month of May. And um, physical media releases generally happen on Tuesdays of each week. Uh, so if you want to follow along and bust out your calendar, feel free. Um, uh, the first release date we have for May, the first uh, major release date, uh, falls on May 5th. And uh, wouldn't you know it, the first major release here we have is The Mask of Zorro mm-hmm. in 4K from 1998. Uh, Kyle, I have some very, very fond memories of this movie. How about you? I rewatched it. We watched the hell of it when we were younger because Catherine Zeta-Jones was the most beautiful woman in the world at the time. I did say... Very, yeah. very fond yeah. memories, didn't yeah. I? <laughs> uh, yeah, we rewatched this. Like, we were just visiting my parents, and uh, it just started, and my dad just left it on. And we actually just, like, we were, like, kind of chatting, and then we just started watching it. It holds up. It's totally good. Um, I wish that the villain in the film, um, Capitan Love, uh, I wish that he did more stuff. Cause he's a great villain in that movie. He was a very interesting villain. Because this movie came out in 1998, so I was like 11 or 12, and this was a huge deal because the way they marketed this thing was so clever. Mm-hmm. Um, they said from the folks that gave you Goldeneye, and that was Ooh. all I needed because <laughs> Goldeneye was <laughs> like the coolest Busting fucking up. thing ever. Yeah, <laughs> like, and well, I think I think the 64 game came out by the time this movie came out. I guess whoever the, whoever was do uh, the stunt choreographer for those movies was killer because the the sequence with them on the horses in that movie. Totally, totally holds up. It's really good. The dude. No, this does... is a swashbuckling film done right. Yeah, um, because the really stunt, good. the stunt work. It, it was 1998. You couldn't really lean on CGI reliably. Plus, it's a period movie, and it's to your benefit to keep everything as organic as possible. And mm-hmm. Zorro is one of those characters I used to watch on like Naked Night and stuff. So I, I knew mm. the basic gist of the character. It's like yeah. he's he's Robin Hood with a sword, and he carves a Z on people and. Honestly, that's all I was expecting, but then you get to the theater and you're like, holy fucking shit, this is some stunt work. It might be the best contemporary swashbuckler that I'm aware of. I can't think of any of the ones that are this good. I mean, it's not exactly a crowded market. It's not a crowded market, but any attempts to try to recreate that, it's it's just kind of been a thud. The, what was the Musketeer? That's the one that we've talked about that we don't. I've, I've, I've seen and I don't remember a, like a lick of it. Yeah, I've threatened you with it a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess think... if we could do a we could do a fucking swashbuckling month like easily. Absolutely. We, I mean, we've we've talked about Errol Flynn stuff. Like the Adventures of Robin Hood is a beloved film for me personally. I want to do I've... the the Oliver Reed uh, Three Musketeers movie. Ooh, who does he play in it? Do you know? I want to say um, the Kiefer Sutherland. I think he plays that one. As no, much as sense. I would love for him to be Porthos. 
As much as I'd love for him to be Porthos, I don't think he's going to be Porthos. I mean, all, all the all the critiques of it would read, and Oliver Reed as the most terrifying Porthos ever yeah, put no to kidding. film. <laughs> the most ornery Porthos ever put to film. Little pimple. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, The Mask of Zorro is a is a big movie in terms of like you know nostalgia movies for me. Um, I want to I, I remember. I remember everything about when it was coming out. I was super excited to see it. Um, it's directed by Martin Campbell, who gave us GoldenEye and Casino Royale and, and uh, The Green Lantern, which that was amazing how bad that turned out. But I already have this on Blu-ray. I don't know if I would upgrade it, but holy fuck, it's tempting. <laughs> we need, yeah, we need a reason to talk about it. Maybe we could throw it in with the swashbuckling month and just... Like kiss its kiss its ring. <laughs> I mean, you threw uh, Captain Blood out there at one point. Yeah, it might be a little too old. The Errol Flynn Robin Hood looks like fun. I watched the trailer for Captain Blood, and it it looks a bit old for me. But it's also probably like eighty minutes, so it we could probably do it. I mean, yeah, we we could probably throw together a swashbuckling month. So that sounds like fun. Yeah, we'll, we'll put a pin in that. Put a pin in that. September is for swashbuckling. No, September is for multi uh, for uh, uh, masterclass. Yeah. Um, so beside the Mask of Zorro, though, we have a contemporary release, and this would be Bloodshot on 4K. Uh, this came out, I think, just before the COVID inning, uh, so just before <laughs> the uh, current situation. Um, do you know anything about this movie, Kyle? No. Uh, do you know why? <laughs> Because it stars somebody from the Fast and Furious franchise, which folks at home, if you're not aware, um, Kyle does not associate with those people. <laughs> Anybody who has drawn breath on the set of a Fast and Furious film, Kyle just has them on a list. It's very similar to Steve Buscemi's list of people in Billy Madison. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No, no, no murderous intent. No, no just murderous like, intent. Just never yes. going to watch her movies. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I mean, The Rock is... I mean, he's dangerously close to being on that list, too, uh, if it wasn't for Michael Bay's um, uh, Pain and Gain. If you, I guess if you can get The Rock in an R-rated film, I'll watch it, but I don't think he does those these days. That doesn't, that doesn't top the box office. No, he's too busy uh, suckling on the Disney power teat, um, being as he has Jungle Cruise coming out very soon. Um, probably would have been out by now. Um, and uh, he's probably going to be president in, like, I don't know, 10 years, well, <laughs> give or take. He's got his own clothing. He's got his own line at Dick's of Under Armour. Like, his Under Armour sells like hotcakes, man. It's crazy. And yeah, I want to buy it, dude. They've got his big jacked picture up there. I'm like, fuck yeah, dude. I get my rock Under Armour on. I'm going to go hit the weights. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the rock... The Rock wins. He's a winner, man. Um, in in every avenue of life, The Rock is a winner. So what happens when you're six six and three hundred pounds of muscle? So yeah, Bloodshot. Um, just in case you were curious, and I know you aren't, Kyle. Uh, but just for the benefit of the folks at home, Bloodshot is based on a Valiant uh, comic series um, that I personally am only aware of, like tangentially. Um, Valiant Comics was a thing in the early '90s. It was you know like similar to Image Comics, where it's like you have all these comics comic companies springing about like creator owned comics and whatnot so not like the marvels or the dcs but like smaller smaller operations on the side uh, so not exactly household names or anything but uh, they had a comeback in like the two, 2010s and I, I jumped on board for a few minutes i, I read some of their stuff like exo man of war and ninjack, ninjack. Uh, which is a terrible which is a terribly 90s 
name for a character, and the, the design is terribly 90s. Everything about Valiant is 90s, but Exo Manowar in particular is a character that, like, on a conceptual level, Kyle, fall, see if this appeals to you. So imagine Iron Man, except for the guy wearing the suit is like a Conan, like literally Conan. Like Jack, but, like Conan? like a barbarian from Ooh, medieval times okay and he and he finds a alien suit of power armor that behaves like iron man armor okay um, and and his sensibilities as a person are that of conan but he's wearing iron man's armor <laughs> it's pretty hmm. fucking cool That's not that anyway idea. bloodshot is part of like it takes place in the same universe so like i think the idea is they're gonna try to make another cinematic universe or something no, um, I heard, I heard this movie was not as bad as you would expect, but really, yeah, actually, I heard it's a decent little action movie, and emphasis mm. on little, like it, it's not trying to be super big or like you know, it's it's not punching above its weight, basically. Um, okay, it's something that I'll like rent from the red box, but I'm not about to pay pay good money to that see. That looks it. like something that you would rent from red box, and then it never makes it back to red box, like it just just stays there. And you, <laughs> you move out one day, and you're like, "Bloodshot, what the fuck? When did I rent that?" Like, and then that? you have like late fees up the ass. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, oh man, I just lost twenty five bucks to Vin Diesel. There's, there's a comedian. Uh, there's a comedian talking about like Blockbuster, and he's like, "Yeah, we complain about not having Blockbuster anymore. I think you guys forgotten about the fucking uh, penalty fees that they would charge you." And he's like. I got charged seventy four dollars for a movie I didn't return. He's like, I had to pay seventy four dollars for New Jack City. <laughs> He's like, oh, I have fuck. New Jack City on VHS <laughs> for seventy four dollars. He's like, I Jeez. own that now. Monster. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, at that point, you have to keep it. It's like it's like an albatross you wear around your neck. That's like just a reminder of like poor life decisions. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. why do you have New Jack City on VHS? You have like a four K setup and everything. It's like. There's a story there. Yeah. N- not ready to talk about it just yet, but there's a story. <laughs> anyway, uh, speaking of movies um, that maybe are worth checking out, The Red Box, um, The Lodge, Kyle, from 2019. Uh, are you familiar with this one? No, I've, I think I've heard about this one. I think somebody's talked about it. Um, our, our friend of the show, Brad, at the oh. Cinema Speak, um, he has done a review uh, for this movie. Uh, it sounds intriguing. Uh, I had it entirely spoiled for me, uh, which mm, shows okay. where my my particular interest level is. Um, I don't exactly plan on seeing this, but you being a connoisseur of the horror and whatnot, uh, it seems like something maybe you might want to check out. Um, there's certainly worse horror movies out there. <laughs> um, um, and continuing on that trend, though, uh, we also, on uh, May 5th, have the release of Gretel and Hansel which uh, I... from 2020. I have a good hunch. This is one of those I have a hunch about. I watched the trailer for it, and I think this might be a nice little horror film. Um, I might watch this tonight after Steph goes to sleep. Honestly, uh, I've been I've been waiting for this to come out to rent, and I'm going to check it out. Well, I actually have not listened uh, to Brad and the Cinema Speaks uh, review of Gretel and Hansel. Mm. Uh, however, I know they did one. Uh, 
I'm, again, though, I have no idea if they said it was good or not. But you, you let me know how it goes if you do check it out. Text Brad and just tell him to give you a thumbs up or down about the movie. <laughs> Will do. Um, so moving right along, though, uh, we have a film that you and I reviewed mm-hmm. on this program. Uh, that would be 47 Ronin yeah. on 4K from 2013 starring Ke- Keenanu Reeves. Um, this is not a good movie. No. I'm I'm not entirely sure why this is getting a 4K release now, because um, Keanu has a lot on his plate right now. Um, he's guest starring in that uh, cyber cyberpunk game, which is one of the biggest games to to come out in recent years. It's a big fucking deal, and he did like a performance capture deal for it and everything. So he's in the game, um, and then Bill and Ted Face the Music is coming out whenever the COVID Doubt it. goes away. Is it um, ever going to come out? Yes, no, it, it's it's been shot as far as I know. Kyle, it's happening. Don't don't be a don't be a downer. Don't be a Debbie Downer. It's gonna happen. Um, and then obviously John Wick Four is in the like script writing phase or something. So he's he's got he's in the public eye. Just like this is kind of a downbeat in all of that. So maybe they're just trying to keep him relevant or something. Um, but we have our first uh, Criterion release here. Um, Six Moral Tales from 1963 to 1972. Uh, Eric Romer, I believe, is the name listed on the cover. Uh, oh, uh, he might be a Frenchman. Yes, he is a Frenchman. So I grossly mispronounced his name. Sorry about that. I'm not familiar with this gentleman's work, but as we tend to say on the show, if it's Criterion, it's probably, probably worth, worth your time. time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh we have something called Tigers Are Not Afraid from 2017. Uh, they were <sighs> kind enough to slap the certified fresh sticker on the cover to try to tr- try to just like reach out to anyone who might walk by the cover art. And, like say, uh, we fucking swear it's good. Please check it out. Please. This is on Shudder. I've got it on my list of ones to watch. It looked like it might be okay, but I haven't gotten to it. Uh, plot description reads, A dark fairy tale about a gang of five children trying to survive the horrific violence of the cartels and the ghosts created every day by the drug war. Uh, it sounds... Heavy. It sounds... It sounds... Uh, I mean, I know nothing about this movie, but it kind of reminds me a little bit of like Candyman, where there's potential for the scariest parts of the movie to just be the other people in the movie, rather mm-hmm. than the, the monsters and the supernatural stuff. Because I always thought that was the most striking part of Candyman, was that that tenement building seemed like hell in some ways. But then the Candyman shows up and it's like, Oh, I mean, Tony Todd's a cool guy. Like, just like, look at his cool jacket. You know, that movie did nothing for me. I had to watch it for class, and it just, it, maybe if I was younger and I'd watched it, it would have been a little scarier, but uh, it's one of those movies that as a kid would have been terrifying, but as an adult, you all you can see is the social commentary. So, so much so that it takes away from the film experience for me. I was going to say Us, that's the other one that was like, you had a cool idea for a movie, and then you did, I think, too much commentary. Like, you did too much social... You tried to cram too much in, and it just didn't work for me. Oh, it, I wouldn't even say that much. I'd just say it didn't work for me. <laughs> <laughs> and then call it a day. Candyman, I feel like um, maybe the score was what did it, because it's a Philip Glass score, mm. and he's, he's known for his uh, kind of like simple, repetitious uh, electronic music. And I just remember a lot of like plinky plunky piano stuff and being kind of, it being kind of hypnotic, but not in the good way, where it's like it makes you a little bit sleepy. 
Uh, so maybe that played into it. Um, but moving right along, uh, we have D-Day Normandy 1944 in 4K. I want to say that's probably a documentary. Um, we have Arkansas from 2020. Um, striking cover art. Uh, it's a Lionsgate film, which means there's a very high probability that this is trash. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can tell you real quick, Trevor, that it is trash. If you just take a look real quick at the very first name on the cover of this film, I'm going to tell you right now it's trash. So I I can't quite make it out. But it's I want Liam to say Hemsworth. I, see, I was going to call him the lesser Hemsworth. But, uh, um, yeah, he's the the less... I think he's the less-ist Hemsworth because at least the older brother uh, was memorable in... Uh, in uh, un- out- Underworld, no, the Westworld, Westworld season one. As this one of those season. world things. <laughs> the Westworld, this first season of Westworld, he was memorable. If folks at home, you ever seen Twins? Well, in, in Twins, you have Arnold and you have Danny DeVito. Arnold mm-hmm. Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito. They are, they are twins. They are the titular twins. Danny DeVito is essentially the genetic leftovers <laughs> of that pair. You may as well look at Liam Hemsworth as that. <laughs> he's yeah. the Danny DeVito to Chris Hemsworth's Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, but moving on, uh, we have something called I Still Believe. That looks awful. Yeah, I can't uh, even look I, at the cover. I can't believe I said the whole title. I probably yeah. should have just skipped it. Um, nothing but, Nothing makes me more soft than when I see a white dude with an acoustic guitar. <laughs> oh, God, he's going to start singing. And uh, Kyle, I need to hear your thoughts on this because you're the you're the Cohen Brothers fan between the two of us. Yeah, um, I I'm some I'm somewhat familiar with their filmography, not enough to call myself a fan. I do like almost everything of theirs I've seen, um, but we also have the release of the Jesus Rolls. I'm glad you brought this up, Trevor, because I was literally talking to our housemate uh, like t- yesterday or the day before about the Cohen Brothers, and I'm like, we were talking about a dry sense of humor, and I'm like. I forgot who I was describing, but it's like the Coen Brothers. I'm like they have a very dry sense of humor, and those move their movies are not going to really reach you if you don't if you don't kind of share that sense of humor. Because I was talking about uh, like No Country for Old Men, which is a dark film, but it also has a, a few moments of like really good humor in a movie that otherwise really shouldn't have it. Um, and I was like, you should check out The Big Lebowski because I I really enjoy The Big Lebowski. It's dry humor, but it's really funny. And then I was. This popped in my head. I'm like, fucking Jesus rolls. The the character was probably my least favorite part of that movie. Like he, he just he comes and goes real quick, and he's a he's a pervert dude. Like, did we forget that he was a pedophile in the movie? Why would he need his own spinoff movie? I don't well, get it. I, what little I've heard about this movie, and I've heard very little, is that I think. A chunk of the story is devoted to him being exonerated, like in regards to the pedophilia. <laughs> no. um, but I think that the Coens are somewhat involved in the production. Obviously, they didn't direct it, but no. I think they may have helped out with the writing. Um, John Turturro is obviously back. Um, I don't know much about this uh, other than the fact that when I first heard it announced, I thought it was a joke. Mm-hmm. Um, but here it is. Biggest life and twice as ugly. You know who could actually pull off uh, a later in life sequel? I think the Coen Brothers could do a Big Lebowski too. They never would, but 
having John Goodman and like Jeff Bridges come back and play those characters, I think they could get back into it. I would love to see John Goodman still be <laughs> still being Walter. I mean, I for one would hope they don't. Yeah, I um, hope they don't. But but if there's any plans to do it, you better fucking hurry up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, People are not getting younger. Yeah. <laughs> um but moving on here, uh, we have a classic release, uh, Brighton Rock from 1947. Does he uh, look wow. like Humphrey Bogart? It's Richard Attenborough, but he looks like Humphrey Bogart or like uh, kind of Orson Welles-ish. Yeah, you beat me to it. He's somewhere between Humphrey Bogart and, um, yeah, Orson Welles. Or Does maybe he... even a little bit of Cagney in there, too. That's what I'm thinking of, Cagney. Um, and this is not familiar to me, but just uh, it's from 1947 and Richard Attenborough without a Santa Claus beard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, beside that, we have an Arrow release, mm. uh, White Fi- White Fire from 1985. Um, mm. Arrow always put out interesting releases. This is not one that jumps out at me, <laughs> although the, <laughs> the cover art uh, is somewhat interesting. And then beside that, though, we have one uh, that has a familiar name for you. Alistair Sim. Yeah, um, an inspector calls from 1954. So somebody must have gobbled up the rights to a lot of his films because mm. in the past couple of months we've been seeing his name all over the place, and I'm pretty sure he'd been dead for a while. Um, we have something called Exorcism at sixty thousand feet. Yeah, he was 20- old. He was old in the fifties. He's been <laughs> <I think> he's <laughs> <dead> since <laughs> Reagan. <laughs> um, Exorcism at sixty thousand feet. Uh, Despite that cover art, apparently came out in 2019. Um, that's kind of shocking. Oh no! Oh no! Lance Henriksen then is in there. I uh, mean, yeah. It, yeah. I Lan- mean, if Lance- Nick, Nick Cage isn't above doing this now. So Lance Henriksen, yeah, done. Only difference is Nick Cage gets good ones in there every once in a while. <laughs> like every Lance just 10%, Lance yeah. works. Lance is always working, but god damn it, he's. He hasn't put in a good one. In a almost while. got me with the the one on the ship. I think they're in the Arctic or something like that. It just about got me. But I'm like, no, that's a that's a five. I can tell you right now, that's a five movie. Uh, but moving along, uh, we have release of a Chinese film called Better Days. Um, I do not recognize anyone involved in this, uh, unfortunately. Um, probably means it's like an indie flick of some sort. Uh, <laughs> we have... After War Gundam X Collection, number two. Um, so this would be the second half of a anime series that was never finished. Um, so if you feel like buying that, <laughs> good for you. Yeah. Um, moving along, what's the next thing that jumps out to you, Kyle? Uh, that, nothing really else on this um, on this day. Greed with S- Steve Coogan. Uh, I'll never watch that. <laughs> he's one of those guys like he is he's funny when he pops up occasionally but it just I've seen a lot do a lot of stuff and I don't really like him but he's kind of funny. I don't know I don't know how else to describe him. Like he he's consistently working for a really long time and I have no interest in anything he's doing but occasionally might, he makes me laugh. It might be that we're American and yeah. he means less to us because I've seen clips of his his is it a movie or a TV show where it's him and his buddy and they like it's like a travel log? It's similar to like an Anthony Bourdain type situation. It's the trip. Friend. It's it's the it's the movie's called The Trip, and I think they made more than one of them. Too. They're, they're awful. I tried watching that. There's a funny scene where he does. They do their Michael Caine impressions, and it's really funny. And my buddy's like, just I'm like, I want to watch that whole movie. He's like, don't watch the whole movie. It's awful. I'm like, okay, 
I'm going to watch the whole movie, and I should have listened because it's not good. Well, I, for one, will never forgive him for a movie that a very good friend of mine, who knows who he is, and he is listening, um, got he got us a premiere like comp tickets to. Um, so this was a premiere film event in Seattle. <laughs> um, oh, wow. Hamlet 2. Oh. <laughs> oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Hamlet 2. So I'm probably one of five people on the planet that saw that film in the theater. Um yeah, that's not good. <laughs> that's not good. Um, There's a movie but yeah. where he cheats on his wife who's hot. I don't remember what... He plays somebody's husband. I watched it with Steph. I don't remember what the movie was, but he's cheating on his wife. Steve Coogan does not strike me as the type of gentleman who should do that. <laughs> like Especially if your wife is objectively hot yeah <laughs> it's like no just stick with what you got buddy maybe it was like um, our idiot brother or something i can't remember i think that's our what idi- it was. our idiot steve <laughs> i think it was our idiot brother awesome <laughs> so let's move on to next week because i don't really see anything else either um so may 12th is the next major release date in may and uh it's a pretty big one actually um first up we have one that you have an opinion on as you have seen this. Uh, yeah. So this would be Birds of Prey, Terrible. parentheses, and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn, close parentheses, in 4K, 2020. I, thought it, I judged it by the trailer, and I thought that's going to be stupid because of the narration. And then I was like, you know what, maybe I should give it a chance. And then somebody I trusted, so it was like, you should give it a chance. It's not too bad. I'm like, okay. And I watched it, and it's fucking stupid. Sorry, it's not good. It's really, really bad. See, when I saw the trailers for this movie, I uh, I kind of made a decision in my head that I was like, you know, if I end up being asked to go see this, I do have a girlfriend. Things happen. Um, <laughs> if I do, if I do get asked to, you know, go see this in the theater or something, sure, I'll go. It doesn't look awful. From a visual standpoint, it looks garish and kind of disgusting. But that mm-hmm. seems to be the point. That mm-hmm. seems to be similar to like like uh, a harmony korean movie or or like like me where it's like it's kind of meant to be a little bit ugly um even suicide squad had a similar aesthetic to it but um what's really strange about this movie is it's directed by kathy yan Mm -hmm. um, who is a chinese filmmaker who as far as i know has exactly one other film under her belt and it's like an it's a like an indie comedy from Mm -hmm. china and then she made this. So it's like, what are we, what? How do you, how does one hop from that to that? I haven't seen that other movie. Um, it, it's like, who directed Fight Club? Oh, was that Fincher? I want to say it was Fincher. It was kind of, it, it, you can kind of see like where her inspiration came from. It, it, I don't know. There's something about it just kind of reminded me of Fight Club a little bit. Um but yeah, it's just it's R- reviews I read for it said um, there's a little bit of nonlinear narrative going on, a little bit of Tarantinoism going mm-hmm. on, um, and then a, a funny criticism that I'm not sure how I'll feel about it uh, was that there was a little too much punching in the movie, like mm. it leaned a little too heavily on on physical action scenes and whatnot. And I was no. like, that's a weird thing to complain about. Although I do get that, like there is such a thing as too much of a good thing. Three hundred, Zack Snyder, who did that? You just said it. Is that Zack Snyder? <laughs> yeah. Okay, I wasn't sure if it was Zack Snyder. Uh, a lot of slow mo, like slow mo punching. It's well, I mean, part of part of the reason you do that is sometimes if you you know if you're trying to have your actors do all their own stuff and maybe they only had two weeks to train instead of nine months or whatever, 
you know, you gotta you gotta do some things to make it sell on camera. But I mean, I, it's, I'll I'll watch this, but I'm not gonna pay for it. Not much anyway. <laughs> I'll give you this much, okay? It's better than Zombieland Two. It's better than the Jay and Silent Bob reboot. But that's not saying much. <laughs> so it's the third worst movie you've seen in like six months. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> Awesome. I well, like I, I'm sorry. Movie. I didn't even see Chance Holland Bob reboot. I couldn't finish it. It was so bad. Ouch. Um, so let's move on to something good. Um, <laughs> beside that, we have another Criterion release, and this is a big one. A big one for any dads out there. Idle Hands? Um, no. God damn it. <laughs> well, yes, Idle Hands is getting a collector's edition, I think, from Scream Factory or Shout Factory, yeah. which I'm sure is filled to the brim with special features. Um, if you want to see that for Idle Hands, uh, is, is DJ Qualls in that one? Or is this Devin Sawa? Devin Sawa. And... It's yeah, Devin Sawa. Right. Jessica Alba. Mm. In 1999? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, the one I was talking to, though, uh, the one I was talking about, though, alluding to, was a Criterion release of The Great Escape from 1963. Have you seen this, Kyle? No, is that... Um... Name a person from 1963, and there's a good chance they're in there. Um, the, it's a pretty stacked cast. The, the fucking stunt guy with the car. He's dead. S- uh, Steve McQueen. There we go. Steve McQueen. Yeah, Steve McQueen, Steve McQueen. James Garner, Richard Attenborough, Charles Bronson, Donald mm. Pleasance. Um, yeah, this is a dad movie. Yeah, it doesn't like, sound With a capital bad. D. Um, I saw this when I was pretty young uh, at the insistence of my dad. Um uh-huh. <laughs> And it's a great fucking movie. It's like a, it's it's really good. Um, yeah, I'm very happy I got to see this when I was young because you know, as time goes on, it gets harder and harder to go backwards sometimes. And seeing this when I was young and didn't care about like how old a movie was or how it looked or how it felt, um, just made it very palatable. And mm. yeah, it's great, Kyle. You should definitely check it out. Okay. Um, but yeah, Idle Hands comes out as well. <laughs> same day yeah. um and then we have one that uh looked absolutely awful to me when i saw trailers for it i, I kind of like did a spit take i was like really that's what they're putting on film like that's what they're putting in the theater okay sure um the call of the wild on 4k from 2020 uh so this stars harrison ford and a cgi dog a dog a cgi dog <laughs> like I don't, I don't think there's a physical... I don't, I don't even know if there is a real dog in this movie. Mm. I don't know if the sets are real in this movie. I don't think so. I, I think Harrison Ford wanted to be warm the whole time they were filming, and they probably put him on a green screen set. He was like, no, I'm not going outside. <laughs> Call of the wild. <laughs> um, yeah, this looked terrible. Uh, as far as I understand, it got mixed reviews. Um, it's, of course, based on, I think, the Jack London book. <laughs> um yeah. He's one of those authors that's like when uh, young men of a certain age usually get his stuff tossed in front of them at some point. I did not. Um, I read Hatchet because that's what you did in the 90s. That's um, Gary Paulson. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the one book of his I did read was Martin Eden. And that is a great, that is a legit great book. I think, I think I, anyway. I, my friend, uh, I think he sent me Seawolf. I think that's Jack London. Sounds right. Um but yeah, other than that, other than Martin Eden, I don't think I've read any of his other stuff. Um, but mm-hmm. skipping on ahead here, though, yeah, uh, Jack have... I haven't gotten to it yet, but I will eventually. It's not very long. It's a pretty short novel. It's a, it's pretty short. I'll get to it. Eventually. Yeah, Martin Martin Eden was pretty short too, and I think Call of the Wild is as well. Um, 
I guess they weren't paying him by the page. Mm. <laughs> uh, but we have a movie that I've heard is absolute garbage, but maybe like good, bad garbage. Um, so this could be like a if you have friends over kind of situation. Um, Fantasy Island from 2020. We got close uh, to watching it one night, not by my choice. I've heard it is trash, but like fun trash. <laughs> I can see it being. I mean, Michael Pena is in it, and he. I heard he's. I'd heard he's bad in it. Like oh really? Like like not good, bad, just oh lazy he, bad. Because he can usually make like whatever stupid thing he's in fun. Kyle, he is standing in for Ricardo Montalban. Mm. Good fucking luck. Yeah, <laughs> I don't care sure. if you're Michael Pena. Good luck filling that that chest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> good luck filling out that that man chest. Um, <laughs> But uh, Vivarium from 2019 gets a Blu-ray release that day as well. This is a movie that um, I was nudging you um, when we were doing our Stay the Fuck Inside month. Check it out if you haven't already. It's from April. Um, Vivarium is apparently like a purgatory story. It's about uh, Mm -hmm. Jesse Eisenberg and uh, Imogen Poots, uh, the gal from Green Room. Uh, The two of them, I guess, are like boyfriend-girlfriend. They ride into a suburban neighborhood, and they can't leave. It's like endless identical blocks, and they're just trapped in this hellscape of suburbia. Uh, it sounded not amazing, but just an interesting concept. Um, and we have <laughs> a couple of uh, 90s trash movies. Uh, and I think these are Sidaris productions. Basically, I've, I've brought him up on the show before. Um, Andy Sidaris, I don't know if there are multiple Sidarises. Um, basically they make like softcore porn movies where it's like one half action movie and then one half like Baywatch level softcore porn. So it's not like people are like stripping down and getting to fucking. It's just like really scantily clad ladies, usually carrying weapons. Um, Brock Landers. Yes. Actually, yes. Exactly that. (laughs) I'm thinking about, I'm just so uncomfortable when, when Mark Wahlberg is into like like into Brock Landers now and remember Jillian uh, Jillian Moore's character is doing that documentary for him oh, oh that'll make you cringe <laughs> no, I love Boogie Nights it's so good <laughs> it really is it's, good it's immensely watchable um, yeah it's it's rewatchable for some reason it's it's dark but it's I mean I don't know what it says about me but I could put on Boogie Nights pretty much any day of the week and yeah. enjoy myself and I I just like catch myself like my eyes wandering to the screen every once in a while cuz there's just too many good scenes. It really it's Mark Wahlberg he just kills it. I think part of it is um there's a lot of party scenes in that movie. Mm-hmm. And it has an infectious energy to it where it's like it it feels it feels like it would be fun to be in some of those rooms. Yeah. Um and yeah, it's it's a really interesting movie that takes a lot of twists and turns on on an emotional level, but holy shit, it's engaging. PTA yeah. man, PTA, he's he's the best. Um, but moving along, uh, what else we got here? Uh, we have a whole bunch of re-releases of older films that I'm gonna gloss over. Sorry, yeah. folks. Um, we have the uh, the Kelvin timeline Star Trek trilogy being released on 4K. Uh, so this would be the J.J. Abrams movies. And uh, he didn't direct the third one. Uh, who did? Justin Lin directed mm. the third one. Um, I don't remember a, a minute of that movie. Um, I think it's better than the second one. Really? I know you'll fight, I know you'll fight me on that, but I, that's my opinion. I really like the second one. I don't remember the third one, so I'd have to... Oh I my really goodness. don't like the second one. <laughs> Is WrestleMania 36 the one that you watched where there was no crowd? 
yes, Kyle, WrestleMania 36 is the one where there was no crowd. <laughs> is that, uh, you should probably buy that because that'd just be interesting to have, just to own. I mean, from a like a historical standpoint, like yeah, it's it's an important piece of of television of history. Yeah, yeah, it's like this is the shittiest WrestleMania we ever had. <laughs> um, Rob Gronkowski hosted it, by the way. No kidding. Um, yeah, and he got to bust out a couple of moves. Nice. Um, I think I think he ends up with the hardcore title um, by the end of the broadcast. Mm. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, WrestleMania 36 comes to blu-ray um if you pay good money for that um good, i don't know what that says about you but uh maybe consider spending your money on something else as tom segura uh, <laughs> uh, <ooh>. <laughs> uh <laughs> we have something called american rickshaw from 1989 this cover art at first it looks striking it's but yeah thank you kyle it's confusing it's a lot of things it's like a collage of images smashed together that really don't it, add up at all it looks like the eyes from evil dead 2 uh who was uh, who who's the guy in they live no it's the eyes from 13 ghosts okay eyes from 13 ghosts and then who's the guy from they live i'm here to uh oh you mean rowdy rowdy piper. rowdy rowdy piper <laughs> and then a boar what looks like a mix of bill paxton and jack nicholson uh and then a cat there's a there's a cat in there <laughs> and a hand <laughs> i don't know what the fuck i'm looking at no. and it's all set amidst a, a like a cityscape hmm. i i mean it's eye-catching but not for any of the right reasons <laughs> no oh um, kyle go ahead. do you know this one uh terrifier yeah so i started to watch this one night uh because i had heard it it's pretty gruesome like it's like a kind of like a slasher with a clown but apparently it was supposed to be like really practical effects heavy but Mm -hmm. it really starts off like it just it it didn't really rope me in uh i was i was looking for something more scary a bit more atmospheric and this was a little like just between the eyes it's like no 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 no. it's just a dude stalking people hacking them up and i didn't continue watching it but um i do plan on revisiting it because it is it's actually a pretty big deal in the horror community. Uh, this is highly regarded as a good practical effects film. Yeah, um, I don't know anything about it. Uh, a f- same friend that I brought up earlier, the Hamlet 2 one, uh, he actually suggested it, um, that we review it at some point. Okay. Um, he said it's very heavy on the gore, and he also said that the director has made like maybe three movies, and all of them are based around this clown character, yeah. apparently. Yeah. Um, all I know about this is the clown, and what's funny to me is that it's like it's this hidden icon where it's it means nothing to me. It's not like a Jason Voorhees where it's like I have a past with the character, I know a thing or two about it. This one I just know because it, like if you've ever been on an internet forum, if you've ever been on the internet, you've seen an image of this clown. Yeah, like somebody uses it as their user image. Um, so the image alone, like on an aesthetic level, I guess it it jumps out at you, and it certainly has a look to it. Yeah. It's, um, I, I think it's a neat look for a monster. Um, so maybe someday. I, I'd be curious to check it out. Maybe not for the show, but just out yeah, of curiosity. Just to watch. I've got Shudder right now. Yeah. <laughs> so, and not shit to do. Um, <laughs> moving along, though, uh, we have a movie that I very nearly put on the list to do an episode on. Um, last year, uh, we did a little something called Anime August. Um, more than likely, we're going to revisit that. Um, and this would be Vampire Hunter D. 
um, which I don't know if this is the first time this is out on Blu-ray in the U.S. Um, Vampire Hunter D, I don't know if I would have you watch this one. Um, I would have you watch the sequel, though, Vampire Hunter D Bloodlust, um, because that is a legit awesome movie. This one is more like you, you kind of need to put on your nostalgia goggles uh, to really enjoy it, because like just on a sheer like animation level like in terms of image quality and whatnot it it's got a few dings against it and also it's like it's a it's an ova so in terms of story and whatnot i you've got like 50 minutes to tell the whole thing which means Mm. there's not going to be much it's just going to be kind of like ninja scroll it's actually very similar structurally speaking to ninja scroll okay just just not as good vampire hunter d bloodlust is also as well However, I think that's literally made by the people who made Ninja Scroll, <laughs> um, and it's way better. Um, so don't be surprised if I make you watch um, something related to Vampire Hunter D in August. Okay. Um, but beside that, we have something called Dynamo from 1978 starring Bruce Lai. Um, so this would be Bruce Lee was dead for like five years by the time this came out. Mm. So um, this is one of the uh, Bruce exploitation movies, as they call them. Um, I don't know if this is exceptional in any way. Um, I know it to be a bad film, but uh, Bruce Lee fights back from the grave. Probably gets all the all the brownie points in the world just for the poster for it, because it's Bruce Lee exploding out of a grave, throwing a back a back fist at a gargoyle. Um, but yeah, there's an entire subgenre of martial arts films called Bruce Ploitation. Um, and uh, Kyle, you take the reins. What what grabs you? Anything? Well. <laughs> No, not from this movie. Uh, <laughs> Lazy Susan, the cover art makes me think it's an important movie. No, but but that could just be clever cover art making me think it's important. Um, Simon Pegg's got a little film here called Lost Transmissions, and it looks like absolute trash. I don't know why he's doing serious movies. Don't do that. Wow, is that Alexandra Daddario? I don't. The girl. It is. It yeah. is. And uh, Tao Okamoto is in there as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, a- anytime I see that, uh, <laughs> anytime I see that Blu-ray logo where you can tell they they uh, skimped on paying the royalty fee to the Sony Corporation, mm-hmm. I get a little bit worried. <laughs> yeah, <you> should. <laughs> um, I will point out that a uh, Redcon One, um, they didn't even pay the rights for any Blu-ray logo. <laughs> no. um, so it's questionable if this is even going to get a physical release. Um, uh, I will point this out just because it's, uh, I think, a a UK uh, action movie. It's like a military action movie involving zombies. Um, Martin Ford is this gigantic British bodybuilder that's starred opposite Scott Adkins in a couple of movies. He, he has a small role in here. Um, I've seen a couple of promotions here and there on some websites that I frequent. Um, I don't know if it's going to be any good. I suspect no. No. But I just figured I'd name drop it. <laughs> so we can move on from that mess, though. So let's move on to the next week. Uh, this would be May 19th, and uh, this is apparently Tom Cruise Day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, th- this entire day belongs to Tom Cruise because we have 4K releases, re-releases, of uh, Top Gun, War of the Worlds, and Days of Thunder. Um, I have not seen Days of Thunder, however, both... Both Top Gun and War of the Worlds are very good movies. I haven't seen Top Gun. I wouldn't mind watching it one night when Steph and I are drinking. 
like just red wine or something I'd like to visit. Perfect. I think that'd be perfect. the perfect time to watch it. <laughs> um, I'm going to go back and watch all the movies that Scary Movie made fun of, I think. The Others is on my list because I still just, I want to see that. Uh, it looks like a good uh, atmospheric, like ghost, ghost house kind of thing. This War of the Worlds is fucking fantastic. Um, the, I like the original and this, I like this remake. They're both really good. Um, but I rewatched Signs and that's one of the Scary Movie movies that they made fun of and it fucking rocks still it's still so good uh days of thunder <sighs> race car movies just don't do anything for me uh there a while back there was that uh who played the uh corporal in not corporal but the the fucking nazi that they did the movie about in glorious bastards that little weaselly bitch I, I know what you're talking about you're talking about driven. rush uh, rush or, rush rush, rush. Uh, can't uh, stop. Uh, <laughs> we're going too fast we're going too fast no you're right it's rush uh rush chris Hemsworth and uh um daniel Bruhl. thank you daniel Bruhl. um that's the closest I've gotten to watching um, a car movie, but I can't do the racing movies. It's like it's it's more boring than a sports drama to me. Like I just because it's already a sport that I don't care for, so a movie about it just doesn't really appeal to me. I'll I'll say this much. Um, I'm I'm right there with you. Cars mean very little to me, and car movies really don't appeal to me. Um, I actually enjoyed Ford versus Ferrari though. I've heard um, mixed things about it. Is it worth is it worth my time? I think so. Okay. I think James Mangold is a very talented director. Um I think what there's else has enough he done. Uh he did Logan. Um Ooh, I liked Logan. And and The Wolverine and uh I can't think of anything else, but I know him to be a good director. Put it this way, he's he's doing the next Indiana Jones. Um so somebody thinks very highly of him. <laughs> okay. Very highly. Wait, did um, you just say the next Indiana Jones? <laughs> I did. <laughs> oh, this no. this was this was made public like very recently. No the past shit. couple days. Okay, yeah. have they cast have they cast don't tell me who it is. Have they cast Indiana Jones? I, I don't think so. Okay. Real quick. Let's Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> Chris Pratt or newcomer. Who do you think it's going to be? I think it would be wise to go newcomer. Newcomer? Um, okay. Yeah, the other two, it's like they've got enough, man. They've they've got more than enough. Yeah, but I don't think we give a fuck at this point. Like we're not we're this we're not making Star Wars for the Star Wars fans and the new fans. If we're redoing Indiana Jones, we're bringing it back. This is gonna be like Jumanji. Like this isn't this isn't for the old fans. We're doing something completely different because there's no way you're gonna keep the old fans happy. Well, it, no, there is no way you can make no. the old fans happy. So you know what would em. make me happy mm. if you fucking left it alone that's what they did with the third star wars the, the most recent star wars movie they're like fuck you fuck you old star wars fans we don't care we're making something new and i think it's the most fun one of the re- of the uh the sequels it's stupid but i think it was the most fun i disagree wholeheartedly that's fine um, but yeah you're entitled to your opinion but um I don't know if other people out there are saying this, but um, I always think of Doc Brown. It's your kids, Marty! Because <laughs> you're right. That, that's always the plan. It's like, no, we're not like, we're not aiming at you. We're aiming at your kids with disposable incomes. Yeah. Like, who don't care about throwing throwing their money away. <laughs> you want to shut them? You want your kids to shut up? Take them to the new Indiana Jones movie. They'll shut up. It's got Chris yeah. Hemsworth. It's going to be a lot of fun. 
I mean, to quote The Simpsons, go ahead, throw your vote away. <laughs> but what I was going to say about racing movies, though, is that uh, I feel like I feel like I have a similar relationship to racing movies as I do baseball movies. Oh, fuck or, baseball movies. No, 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 wait, 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 wait. What, what I mean by that is that I don't care very much about baseball. Um, my dad and my brother certainly do. They love baseball. Really? Um, oh, yeah. My brother's a walking encyclopedia for fucking baseball. No shit. I never would have guessed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but me personally, mm, I didn't it, I didn't bite for it. I went for boxing. Yeah, that's um, more fun. Nobody else cares about boxing. <laughs> so so well, I get to have I get to have long conversations with myself about boxing. <laughs> yeah, MMA kind of stole it from you, didn't you? Didn't it? <laughs> Very much so. Um, and uh, anyway, what I mean by that though is I like movies about racing. I like movies about baseball. I don't I don't care so much about the act of playing baseball though. So what I mean by that is something like Moneyball appeals to me more than something like mm. like i'm trying to think of an example um moneyball's unique though in that it's like not bull, bull durham is a very good movie for sure um i enjoy it i think that's a universally appealing movie in some ways but i mean there are movies about it's hard to do movies about baseball because baseball is already boring so it's hard like a league of their own is fun it's like just a fun movie 42 is that the jackie robinson movie yeah, that's like a historical, like, uh, like, like an historical film. So it's it's not really as exciting. Well, it's more. What, of a... what I mean by that is, I, I I like stories that take place in that world, but mm-hmm. I don't necessarily need a player centric story. Yeah, so Moneyball is not a player centric story. It's it's different. Yeah, like like a league of their own kind of comes at it from enough angles where it's like you can just have fun with yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's like fun. it's not. Yeah. Um, so I like stuff like that, and same goes for like something like Ford versus Ferrari, where it's like the act of driving the car isn't as important to me as the stuff that goes into getting the car on the road and stuff. Like I like the buildup that comes with that. Like I've heard a uh, Miracle is an exceptional sports film because of that, because a lot That's of great. it is just about getting the band together, basically. It's getting the band together, and it's motivating those kids. Kids, exactly. See, that's what I'm talking about. It's that kind of story as opposed to a big game story kind of man although miracle is exactly dude you should watch the last five like the last five minutes of that match you can find it on youtube somewhere i want to say that was directed by the same fellow who did warrior i'm talking about like the actual match oh the actual game the actual yeah the actual the actual match oh i'm sure it's amazing fuck that's great uh (laughs) excuse me i just just the whole story is just fucking it's just it's just a really good story i'm sorry (laughs) Um, well, getting back to the release calendar, yeah. um, we have the Blues Brothers on 4K, so that would be from 1980. Um, never seen another... it. I've never seen it, and I, I, I know John Belushi, like, at the time, was considered, like, the funniest man in the world. Like, he was the funniest ever. I don't get it. I'm not saying he wasn't funny. It just kind of... Over my head a little bit. I don't get I'm, it. I'm right there with you. I appreciate the energy of it. Because yeah. it's a very it's a very off the wall kind of crazy fun movie, um, but my dad definitely enjoys it more than I do. Put it that way. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, it could be a generational thing. Maybe you had to have been there. But it, it's a it's a fun energetic movie for sure. It's just well, it doesn't resonate with me, I guess, as much as it does. Do you think older folks, kids today, would think that Liar Liar or fucking Ace Ventura would be funny? Because those were fucking those were hilarious. When we were kids. 
I don't know if it would if it would translate as well. Like he's just fucking moving his eyebrows a lot and talking with his ass. <laughs> I mean, we live in the era of the jump cut, Kyle. Like no amount of rubber face can match the power of a quick cut. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, oh, but... all gas, no brakes. Perfect. There's a there's a kid who has his own YouTube uh, his own YouTube thing. He finds people and it's it's seriously it's fast editing. It's fucking brilliant. It's so funny. It's called All Gas No Breaks. I highly recommend. I'm going to send you one to check out. It's they're really funny. And it's literally that. It's just rapid editing, just rapid cuts. And it it's perfect. I mean, a well-timed cut can be the funniest fucking thing you've ever seen. I I still maintain Anchorman that's 2. the funniest bit in Anchorman 2. It's just that hard cut out of nowhere. <laughs> I disagree, but there are some very funny moments in that movie. <laughs> um well, can we agree that the the lighthouse portion of that movie is the least entertaining part of it? I don't know the outtakes from that from that sequence. There's some pretty funny outtakes from that sequence. Okay. That when I saw it four. made it made it a lot funnier. Okay. <laughs> um, no, <laughs> all the shit on the walls because he's blind. <laughs> like, everything's all messed. I'm sorry. That it, it's kind of funny. It's also probably still fresh in your mind too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but. Uh, moving on, we also have Sonic, Sanic the Hedgehog, in 4K from 2020. This was the unexpected smash hit, um, of course, based on the beloved video game property. Whew, I, I was it. never a Sega kid. Um, oh. Sanic, Sanic means very little to me. Gotcha. I had fun. I, this is something I always played at my cousin's house. He had Sonic the Hedgehog, so I always liked playing it. Um, I want to watch this just for the Jim Carreyness of it, because. I haven't. I still like to catch him in funny stuff. Like he almost got me to watch Kick Ass too, but I never watched it because of the the guy with the three names. <laughs> whatever his uh, name the, is, um, McLovin or whatever. Or, no, oh no, Aaron no. Taylor Johnson. Yeah, Aaron Taylor Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. Um. It's not great. I think the same friend that I keep bringing up on this episode made me see that in the theater. Mm. Um. It's. It's definitely like one of those sequels where you can tell that all the all the energy in the room just was it just wasn't there. They they ran out of steam before they even got to the finish line. Um, but yeah, Sanic. Um, I'm sorry, I just cannot care less. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, I have no emotional attachment to the character or the property. Although um, I did hear that just seeing the production logo, the Sega production logo, is a bit of like a nostalgia bomb for some people because mm. like they do the marvel thing where they have a whole bunch of like flash flashes of other sega properties in embedded in the logo and it got people's like gears turning being like mm. oh man are we gonna get a golden axe movie are we gonna get a streets of rage movie are we gonna get a vector man movie it's like no probably not but apparently sonic made all the money so really? maybe who mm. knows um, it's not like I've heard it's a good movie by any means, but it made a lot of money, and sometimes that's all you need to do. But uh, Onward on 4K from Disney and Pixar. Uh, this is also coming out. Um, I saw the trailer for this, and I kind of like scratched my head. I was like, I'm getting a low effort vibe here, guys. <laughs> I could be wrong. Like it could be a perfectly fine movie, but just something about it. I was like, really? Dude, really? These they just have to be animated. They just have to be animated like this, and it'll make money. That's that's all you have to do. Yeah, I mean, there's there's certain like principles in animation, like like p- 
pushing and pulling and squeezing and like deforming characters in, in a certain fashion that it's it's led to the situation where we have a lot of really uh similar looking character designs across unrelated All properties and whatnot yeah um which i think is part of why so many people like leaned really hard into into the spider-verse because i saw that movie actually a couple months ago um and it is very good. I, I understand where all the enthusiasm comes from because that is a legit, amazing, like on a technical level, that is a beautiful fucking movie. And mm. it looks visually distinctive from anything else that has ever existed, hmm. uh, which which is, that's a big claim to fame because like, like you said, we're kind of in a situation where everything looks kind of same, same right now. There's like a thousand of these fucking Disney Pixar movies that look like this. I don't know the difference. I just look, I'm like, oh yeah, it's the, it's movie with those things. Like, Well, it's, it's the Marvel disease where all the characters, like, you can tell that the art departments are talking to each other because, mm-hmm. like, a lot of the costume designs and stuff, they, they look cohesive as opposed to, like, oh, that was made by Tim Burton and, oh, that was made by Christopher Nolan and they look totally different from each other. It's like, no, they all look like they kind of came from the same hand, um, distractingly so. Um, but, yeah, uh, onward I have zero enthusiasm for. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we have Justice League Dark colon Apocalypse, spelt Apocalypse War, excuse me, uh, spelt in the DC Comics way. So this is a DC animated film. I've said it before on the show, those movies tend to be kind of just middle of the road in terms Mm. of entertainment value, and especially in terms of animation quality. They're never brilliant to look at, uh, which, you know, that's kind of the point, is they they crank them out like crazy. They don't spend too much money on them, so the over-under is probably fantastic. Uh, they're they're blumhousing us uh, with, with their uh, Warner Brothers animated pictures. Um, the Way Back, starring Ben Affleck. Have you How heard of this guy? Fucking movies can we have called The Way Back? There's The Way Back, The Way Back, The Way Way Back. <laughs> like Jesus Christ! No, I haven't heard anything about this. It's a basketball movie with Ben Affleck, so it's a hard pass for me. Oh, uh, speaking of Miracle and Warrior, uh, same director, Gavin O'Connor. Mm. Um. I heard this was actually very good, um, and it seems like he's just a very good director for the most part. Um, the accountant was not great, although I guess that's he and Ben Affleck, how they make contact, but it's about like an alcoholic uh, basketball coach or something, but I've heard it's actually legit good. Hmm. Um, I might watch that, um, but I have a weakness for sports drums. Yeah, <laughs> that's not my weakness. Yeah. Um, we have a re-release in a steelbook. Uh, of Mandy, uh, Ooh, which nice. I I would proudly own Mandy at this point. Like yeah. I've thought about it enough times since we did it for the show. That's like, sure, yeah. I'd revisit Mandy yeah. twice. <laughs> um, we have a re-release of a Kirk Douglas film, Lonely Are the Brave. Um, we have Emma, period, uh, from 2020. This has uh, Anya Taylor Joy in it. Anya um, Taylor Joy, uh, the the witch, uh, the gal with the eyes. Ooh, gotcha. Yeah, she's lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard this was okay. Um, it's it's a costume drama based on, I think, a uh, piece of literature that I'm not terribly familiar with. Um, but this is one of those movies, again, if I was asked to watch it, I would. Um, yeah, no- um, I'd say Victorian-era drama slash romance is right up there with white guy with an acoustic guitar for me. It's just <laughs> <laughs> right down. 
Uh, we have Brahms colon The Boy 2 from 2020. Holy shit, I heard some... I heard some shit about The Boy uh, when that movie came out. Um, I had some things spoiled about it, but uh, I, I heard those movies, both of them, are pretty much laughable in terms of horror entertainment. Mm. Um, beside that, we have a Blu-ray re-release. Uh, this is not the first time this has been on Blu-ray. Lone Wolf McQuaid from 1983. Uh, this is... Chuck Norris is not a favorite of mine. I, I love my 80s action films for sure, but Chuck Norris never... He, he's he's a little too vanilla for me, maybe. We, <laughs> we were we were big Walker, Texas Ranger household. Um, as a kid, it was very entertaining because it was very cheesy. But I remember being a kid, and I remember Walker was blinded. He had like a Native American thing about him. Uh, and it... it he wasn't alone. X Files has done it a couple times too, and I'm, it really sucks when it comes up. But there was an episode where he was blind, and he's sitting in his house, and the lights go out, and uh, he's like, "What's that?" And there's like people running on the front lawn, and he's inside, and he's like, "They're here." I'm like, how the fuck can you hear anything? How do you aware? And I'm like, "I'm a child." When I saw this, I'm like, "Okay, I'm done." <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm just picturing little Kyle getting up and going outside. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm going outside now. <laughs> Fuck this, it's outside time. Um, I will say this, Lone Wolf McQuaid is actually a pretty good movie. Um, hmm. It's, I mean, look at who's on the cover. You have David Carradine and Chuck Norris facing off in a martial arts fight at the end of a modern-day Western. Um, it's fun. I think it was directed by an Italian fella in 1983. Um, it has one of the most awesome soundtracks I can think of, to be honest. Uh, the theme music for this movie is incredible. Um, incredible. It's one of my favorite Chuck Norris movies, if if not my favorite Chuck Norris movie. And that that's not super high praise. He's not one of my favorites. But um, if you have a passing interest in Chuck Norris, maybe this should be the one you check out. Um we have a Criterion release, uh, Dance, Girl, Dance, uh, from 1940. Uh, again, it's a Criterion, so probably check it out. Nothing mm-hmm. that's known to me. Um, we have an anime a film of some sort called Promare from 2019. Um, actually, I'm not familiar with that one. Um, what else we got here? Uh, we have another Arrow release, The Woman, from 2011. Uh, are you familiar with this one, Kyle? Mm-mm. <laughs> Yeah, uh, neither am I. I'm kind of shocked. I'll just read the plot summary. Uh, When a successful country lawyer captures and attempts to civilize the last remaining member of a violent clan that has roamed the Northeast Coast for decades, he puts the lives of his family in jeopardy. So is this like Nell, but but a horror movie? (laughs) I don't know. It looks like the 30 Days of Night kind of... That's what they look like in 30 Days of Night. Like They're just walking around with blood all over their... like face and shirts and hands so is it like a vampire thing i don't know it's interesting the the cover it's it's got my interest but the description seems a little weird yeah um just the the still images they picked for the for the back of the box and whatnot are not terribly striking it doesn't look super visually interesting Hmm. um and unfortunately like going in blind to something like this that's a huge part of what would get me to pull the trigger on it so mm, probably a pass for me uh we have downhill from 2020 this is a remake of a a, a swedish film um called force majeure um this is will ferrell and julia louis dreyfus um 
it's like a comedy drama i don't know i, I want to say that the swedish film is probably superior um i there's a reason they remade it for american audiences though so you know if you, maybe if the the charisma the charisma of the two leads is is strong enough maybe worth a look but other than that i'm not super enthusiastic about that one they're both very funny it's just i haven't heard anything about it yeah um i've been seeing this uh buffaloed movie um from 2019 pop up in a lot of like tiny advertisements on my google lately um so somebody thinks i want to see this although (laughs) holy fucking shit kyle Hmm. um i just pulled it up Uh, it stars zoe deutsch and jai courtney oh Um, I just responded to a Twitter thread today um, that simply asked, um, what's the name of an actor who, um, if you see their name listed in the credits for a film, immediately makes you uninterested in that Mm. film? I said Jack Courtney. (laughs) Jack Courtney. (laughs) um, Tyrese Gibson. uh, Let's see here. Vin Diesel. The guy who played Jesse. The guy who played the guy who talks like this in Fast and the Furious. Uh, <laughs> but uh, for sure, if I see Tyrese Gibson, then I know for sure I don't want to watch that movie. So, no, no ATL for you. No, that's uh, that's Ti. Uh, that's Ti. That's Ti. Uh, Tyrese is Baby Boy. I think that's Baby Boy. <laughs> Baby Boy is probably his best movie, and okay. it, there is a very there's some very good Ving Rhames in that movie. <laughs> there is some. Uh, him drinking some Kool-Aid, that's really funny. Him fucking his mom, that's really funny. <laughs> him punching him, that's really funny. I think Baby Boy might be a good movie. I, I think it might be okay. <laughs> it's, it's, I was it, laughing at all the wrong parts, but I think it was a good movie. <laughs> it's him living with his mom, and he's like an adult, and he, his name's Jody. I think his name is Jody in the movie. He just won't he won't get his, his shit together, and... Uh, Ving Rhames is starting to step into his territory, and uh, his mom's hot. <laughs> his mom's crazy well, hot in that movie. I mean, that'll happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, moving along, though, uh, we have a anime, a, a film that I think you had actually thrown on the list as like a potential watch, um, mm-hmm. King of Thorn um, from 2009. Oh, yes, that was one that I threw on there, because I thought it looked, uh, looked, it looked strange. It looked strange in a fun way. Yeah, Kyle was looking into like horror-related anime at the time, yeah. and uh, that's one that isn't known to me, but he sent me a trailer of it, and he said, what do you think of this? And I said, you know, actually, you might be onto something there. So that, that's that's a maybe someday. Um, I haven't looked into it any further, but we'll see. Um, but let's move on to the next week here. And uh, it looks like um, we have a whole bunch of in-between releases, so I'll just gloss over those real quick. Um, On the 21st, we have Driveways, which I only bring up because I think that's Brian Dennehy. Mm -hmm. Who just recently passed away. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's probably his last film. I remember him doing a Zantac 75 commercial after Chris Farley had passed away, and I'm like, damn, that guy's still, he's still alive. And then you see him come up in 30 Rock as a character, and they're like, shit, he's still alive. (laughs) And then you find out that he <laughs> just died. You're like, holy shit. Brian didn't yeah. made it that long after Chris Farley passed away. Tommy's dead. His, uh, his ticker didn't give out for a good long while. Right? <laughs> Big Tom. Um, we have a four fucking K release of Rad from 1986. Um, 
I want to say my brother is intimately familiar with this movie. I could be lying. Uh, I haven't actually seen it, but this is a BMX sports drama movie from the 80s. Um, this the One of the songs from this movie is absolutely amazing. Mm. This movie has a stellar soundtrack if you're into like you know power ballads from the 80s. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, Thunder in Your Heart is my favorite song from that soundtrack. Um, so I know the soundtrack. I have not seen the film. I do not need it on 4K, though. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anybody actually does. But um, uh, Blood Games and L.A. Wars both have pretty amazing cover art. Um, I want to say they're both trash films. Oh, but they look like it. Yeah. Uh, but the cover art for L.A. Wars in particular, that's pretty amazing. Uh, hats off to them. Uh, and yeah, we have a whole bunch of other trashy releases, but we'll just uh, skip over those um, and move on to May 26th, which I believe is the last uh, formal yeah. release date for the month. And uh, right out the gate, we have a 4K release of The Invisible Man yeah. on 4K in, from 2020. Uh, I heard this was pretty good. Um, yeah, Elizabeth Moss is, she's got a few movies I want to see. Uh, Her Smell, which she's like a punk rocker in that i want to see that um i think i'm a sucker for like musician films like if you're a sucker for like sports dramas i think musician films kind of get me um this i've heard good things she's in another one i want to read the description for you because i I don't know if you've seen too much of her like in in like mad men or any of her movies i'm familiar with her but no i haven't seen her in too much i know she's on the handmaid's tale show as well yeah that's a the there's a market for that um <laughs> not I re- I had to read the book. I just, you know, it's just not for me. Um she's in a movie uh called Shirley. And it looks really fucking creepy. A famous horror writer finds inspiration for her next book after she and her husband take in a young couple. And she's the the horror writer from what I can gather. It looks kind of creepy it's like biography drama thriller kind of thing uh i'm more excited to watch that than the invisible man but i'll probably end up watching both of them i heard very good things about shirley um but yeah the invisible man i heard mostly good things about it's from Lee wanell um Lee Wannell? it's like yeah oh, okay uh, um the bye bye man upgrade and uh <laughs> i think i think he did uh he was he's james wan's uh, frequent collaborator yeah uh so was uh, insidious and saw yeah that's what i was thinking of um but i think upgrade may have been his directorial debut so this would be his follow-up um yeah i heard it's a it's a handsome movie in a lot of ways uh she knocks it out the park and it's it's a pretty solid thriller um, oh she's so great I, w- I would watch it for sure People piss me off because, I mean, she's not, I guess, not conventionally attractive, but she's actually very, I think she's 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 pretty, but uh, I tried to get one of my friends to watch Mad Men. She's like, it's got that ugly girl in it. I'm like, dude, are you kidding me? Whoa, whoa, like, whoa. After I'm watching the show and I love her character, I'm like, man, you're a fucking piece of shit, dude. Uh, <laughs> well, also, if you just look at the cast list for Mad Men, it's like, there's a lot of beautiful women in this in this TV show. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like, Dawn sleeps with like most her, of them. Her included, like yeah, she's like, not. This is other... not even just women. Like this is a handsome fucking cast. Yeah, <laughs> it's like across the board, men and women. Yeah, <laughs> weird. Uh, yeah, she's got a few movies that I need to I need to see. I mean, I I've never had that problem, Kyle. I've never. I don't think I've ever objected to watching a movie because I thought someone was 
too ugly mm-hmm. <laughs> to look. Yeah. I've objected to watching things because someone was too attractive, distractingly so. Oh, um, okay. Marvelous Miss Maisel. I was like, I can't watch this woman. <laughs> she's, like, <laughs> she's very distracting. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's supposed to be funny, but goddamn, I, I no. <laughs> Alex, Alex, oh, I can't think of her last name. Borns, I can't. Uh, Lois oh, Bo- from Borstein. Borstein, yeah, she's really great in that show. I'm sure she fucking is, Kyle. <laughs> I didn't hear a goddamn word she said. <laughs> uh, can we move over to the next movie? I'm sorry, I am gonna watch The Invisible Man. I'm not gonna buy it, but I'm gonna watch it. Same um, here. The fucking Deer Hunter. This is like considered one of the greatest films of all time. Uh, this is one of the most boring films of all time. Uh, well, I, I want to say because of Memorial Day, maybe May is like dad month or something. Because mm-hmm. um, this movie means a lot to a certain generation. Yeah, uh, You and I, not so much. But no. folks like my dad and people of his age range, well, it's a big fucking deal. Well, your pops was, was he in Vietnam? Absolutely. Yeah. So where does have you asked him where this one ranks as far as the Vietnam films go? Because I'm sorry, this is I sat through this thing and I was mad afterwards. I'm like, I wasted like three hours of my time on the Deer Hunter. Um, I don't know how he would rank it, but I always remember him giving it actually giving it praise. Mm. Um, because he always said that like you're very deep into the film before they even get to be in country. Like, like you get yeah. to breathe and live with these people a long time before you even get to see them set foot in Vietnam. See, that's the worst part. That, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, th- there's, no, there's no good part of the movie. Like, it's boring. It's boring. Then they go to Vietnam, and it that that sequence of it is kind of heavy, but it's it's still not that heavy. But then again, yeah, I wasn't in Vietnam. Well, it doesn't yeah, resonate so, with me. I think, I, like I said, I think context is very important because this came out, I just looked it up, 1978. That's three years removed from us pulling out, like, officially completely. Mm-hmm. Um, the only movie, the only Vietnam War movie that came out during our time over there was the fucking Green Berets. <laughs> A John Wayne movie. <laughs> when did Apocalypse um, so, Now so come out? The, the wounds were very, very, very... What's that? When did Apocalypse Now come out? I want to say it was the 80s. Okay. Early 80s. Um, and uh, Platoon, I think, was 87. No, um, really? Um, so 1978, the wounds were very fresh. Um, so I, I want to say historical context is very important to the impact of this movie. 1979 um, was Apocalypse Now. Okay. So um, 1977 was when it was being filmed. <laughs> yeah, maybe even earlier. <laughs> yeah. 1976, um, I think. Um, but I'm sorry, real quick. Um, Meryl Streep is in this for like yes. a, like a sneeze. Like she's barely in it. She's fucking gorgeous. Like I've only seen like older contemporary. Not that she's unattractive, but like she's she's a very pretty woman. But like young Meryl Streep. Whew. Yeah, no, she's still looking pretty good. <laughs> she devil. Yeah, young Meryl Streep. Yeah, she she works. Um, she's Stone Cold Fox. Pulling back the lens a little bit, though, I've always thought it was really fascinating the the path of this director, Michael Cimino or Cimino. Um, that he he did this and he like got all sorts of critical acclaim and whatnot all sorts of awards and then not too long after he had uh what was it heaven's gate or whatever <laughs> um it was it's long long been heralded as like this like the biggest flop in hollywood history basically mm. um it yeah it came out in 1980 um i've never seen it myself but i very much would like to just to see 
that and uh, Ishtar. I want to see Ishtar because it's another one of those notorious flops where it's like had all the talent in the world backing it and it just fell flat on its fucking face. <laughs> Ooh, he's got one called Silent Running. It looks like fun. Bruce Dern, like a sci-fi kind of deal going on. Ooh, he's in a spaceship. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, it looks like short shirt. It looks like short circuit kind of thing. But yeah, um, yeah. So let's move on from that. We have a shout or a Scream Factory Collector's Edition release of Escape from L.A., which is massively inferior to Escape from New York, which is already not one of my favorite movies, Mm-mm. but it's good enough. Um, I, I like some of the like low-budget tricks they do in Escape from New York. It's, it's very, it's a very clever movie. Smoke and it's mirrors. It's very economical. Oh yeah, the, like I love that the. Uh, like the wireframe computer screen effect that they do when they're first entering New York, they couldn't mm-hmm. afford to like build actual miniatures, so they just put like um, glow in the dark tape on some like just cardboard buildings, basically to simulate a computer wireframe effect. There's something like, so awesome. so charming about like the the CGI from the '80s and like the the stop motion. Like I always think of like uh, Arnold one, um, Total Recall. And like Blade Runner, like you, you, you can tell that it's it's CGI, but I don't know what it is about it. They just, I just it's really not mean... CGI. Um, it's optical effects. Um, optical effects. And uh, they have a glow to them. Mm-hmm. It, it's so awesome. Like you can't really. It... I mean, you can replicate it in a computer. It's just nobody's bothered to try. But like, it's my, like artwork. My, my favorite example is uh, if you look at any uh, spaceship, um, the exhaust of a spaceship in any like movie from the 1970s through the even the early 90s that glow that mm-hmm. comes from the exhaust port it's like oh it just makes me jizz my pants mm-hmm. like, like, like like even though i remember my dad telling me about the first time uh, he saw superman the movie in the theater mm-hmm. just the way the opening titles were done in that movie for him that was mind-blowing <laughs> just like oh my god the titles are flying at me bro <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah optical effects are an art form unto themselves and i love them man i wonder if we could get uh if we could get the the blade runner 2049 soundtrack onto the original blade runner if someone could splice that together uh i mean something to throw out there if we had a big enough platform i'd for sure say like, hey somebody awesome. make this shit happen that would be <laughs> awesome i'd really like to see that um but i actually you this has been on my mind because i remember seeing this when i was young stacy keach i remember is the bad guy and he pulls mm-hmm. that like hologram trick on them uh, i don't know mm-hmm. uh <laughs> you think this is the real quiet yeah. <laughs> it is it is <laughs> Um, it just looks like fun. Uh, I want to go back and watch. Because, yeah, I, I watched Escape from New York, and I was like, eh, it's kind of okay, but I want to go back and see this. It looks like it, it, looks like it could be es- fun to revisit. Escape from L.A. is utter trash, but it knows what it is. Um, it has Peter Fonda and Kurt Russell riding a, a like a badly blue-screened wave. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, I remember that. Steve Buscemi? I think he's in there as well. Is Rob um, Schneider and- in there? And then it has a scene where he has to score an X number of baskets. Otherwise, he has an exploding neck collar or something. Oh, gosh. It's, oh, he, did, he really made that shot, too. He spent, uh, he spent his breaks uh, doing shots, and he ended up making the shot in the film. Like, for real. Yeah, yeah it's a weird movie. Um, the 90s were not kind to John Carpenter, but 
Um, it is what it is. Uh, Snake Plissken is an awesome character, no matter how you look at it. Um, but beside that, though, we have a movie that um, I'm curious if you've seen. Mm-mm. This would be uh, the Italian uh, Zombie from 1979 in 4K. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why do we need this in 4K? This is a Lucio Fulci movie. It doesn't need to be. It needs to be seen on VHS. Some of these movies just need to be seen on VHS. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know that we need this on 4K. But yeah, this is a Lucio Fulci movie. Um, therefore, it has eye trauma in it has one of the most iconic instances of eye trauma on film uh and i i want to say this is the movie that has the zombie fighting the shark Mm -hmm. yeah um this is not a great movie by any means but uh the the internet made it into a big thing when the internet was just getting rolling so (laughs) so people of a certain age are very familiar with this movie and beside that though we have a interesting release from arrow this would be I, i believe three movies um Solid Metal Nightmares, the films by Shinya Tsukamoto. Um, so this would be uh, the Tetsuo movies, basically. Mm. Um, um, Tetsuo, uh, the Iron Man, Tetsuo 2, Body Hammer, and... Uh, oh, there's many more, apparently. Uh, the Adventure of Denchu Kozo. I don't know that one. Tokyo Fist, I have wanted to see for a very long time. I have not, though. Uh, Bullet Ballet, I, this that was a later one. I think that was early 2000s. Um, also have not seen it. The, um, I've only seen the first two Tetsuo movies and then there's a couple others in here um, I, th- I want to say the third Tetsuo movie may not have involved him, it was called The Bullet Man um, but yeah, I've been telling you for a while that Tetsuo movies you in particular might get something out of. I might actually just get this, I don't know why this seems like a good blind buy, you've got me with solid metal nightmares, it seems like <laughs> it feels like he might be the Jap- uh, like it's like the Japanese eraser head. Like I, there might be just something real special in there. There's a bit of crossover for sure. Um, I don't know that that sensibility would like apply to all of his movies. Um, but like I said, Tokyo Fist has nothing to do with the Tetsuo movies. But it's one that I've wanted to see for a long time. It sounded very good to me. I don't know what it is, but this marketing's working on me. Like I just <laughs> I want this. I like the cover. I like it. Just it, it appeals to me. Solid metal I picked, I picked up uh, Arrow's release of RoboCop recently, mm-hmm. um, and I'm a believer now. I'm, I might be becoming an Arrow fan, uh, mm. because holy shit, they did that movie justice. Um, but let's bop on down to the next row here, and we have a 4K release of Maniac from 1980. Uh, this would be uh, Tom Savini doing the gore effects. I think mm. he has a role in this movie as well. Um I only know this movie because of the, it has one of the most iconic head explosions in movies. Oh. <laughs> um, shotgun to the face. It's pretty spectacular. But uh, this was remade later on. Um, Elijah Wood played the titular maniac. Um, the gimmick of that movie was that I, th- I want to say the whole thing was shot from his perspective. Um, and I heard that was pretty good. Um, I don't know if this is like ranked super high on on like slasher movie lists but it's definitely a part of slasher movie history um we also have a criterion release of scorsese shorts uh, from 1963 to 1978 um of course i'm not going to be uh, in the know in regards to what's contained in this box but i'm willing to bet that martin scorsese made a few good short films in his life so uh probably worth your time short short is not what i do 
<laughs> it's, it's like, well, I mean, the last one was 1978. It's like, yep, done with that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I know how I want to make my movies now. Here's two and a half hours about Robert De Niro playing a psychopath. <laughs> uh, we have some shock that... Mm-hmm. Look, I want to say looks up your alley, Kyle. Yeah, uh, fuck sat- you. Satanical um, pandemonium? <laughs> this looks too schlocky for me. This looks like Italian trash. Okay. Uh, I mean, you're not wrong. Yeah. Um, we have another movie uh, mm-hmm. that we have done on the show before. Uh, this would be Before the Devil Knows You're Dead from 2007. Great movie. Um, yeah, this is a Shout Select release. Um, Shout Factory generally puts out stellar releases. So, um, yeah, I would who, count that among them. Who was this director? Was it De Palma or... Oh, I wouldn't think so. I can't uh, remember. Sidney Lumet. Sidney Lumet, that's who it was. It was one of those older guys. Um, now coming up here, I don't know if you want to talk about Ator the Fighting Eagle. Um, no, they're they're barbarian movies in the early '80s were a dime a dozen. Thank you very much, Conan the Barbarian. Um, <laughs> husbands. Now, there's a the podcast we listen to. Uh, Peter Falk and Cass- John Cassavetes has come up quite a bit, and I'm guessing this is a film they're referring to. Um, I have no idea what this movie is, but it has my attention because of that. Um, John Cassavetes worked with Peter Falk pretty frequently, mm-hmm. um, so it may have been this movie or some other movie. Um, I've only seen exactly one John Cassavetes movie, and I'm struggling to remember what the title of it was. Um, it was, it was an experience um, because I was kind of uh, introduced to the movie um, by a friend of mine, and they kind of challenged me to expand my horizons, similar to how we sometimes do on this show mm-hmm. um and he is a very unique filmmaker I'll, I'll tell you that much um very very interesting <laughs> i it was a extremely long movie it was a family drama it was a brutal family drama mm. uh, from an era in which i wouldn't have expected uh this like that level of reality i guess um but yeah uh as far as i understand these these two have worked together several times uh in both of their careers um, ben Gazar is in there too. Cool. <laughs> um, that's a Criterion release, by the way. Yeah. And beside that, we have another one, uh, Wildlife from 2018. Yeah, 2018. Directed by Paul Dano. Whoa. Wow. What? Dire- written and directed by Paul Dano. Wildlife. And uh, Jake Gyllenhaal is in it. So oh. apparently the two of them hit it off. Um, I You have my attention. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Uh, he lost it. Um, a teenage boy must deal with his mother's complicated response after his father temporarily abandons them to take a menial and dangerous job. Yep, you lost me. You lost me. <laughs> Sorry, Dano. I'm sure it's great. Yeah, yeah nope, not doing that. Wow, um, dude, that's the most boring thing I've ever read. <laughs> and I got halfway through the fountainhead. God, Kyle, your your dick has just been flicked how many times this, this episode? Just <laughs> we got white guys with guitars we, Oof, Paul we got Dano, Victorian buddy. costume dramas we got father abandonment movies <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry my father loves me <laughs> yeah, it's like I don't know about the rest of you but I'm on pretty solid terms with my dad I have a great relationship with my father <laughs> that yeah, sounds awful <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but let's pop on down to um Kyle, um, we were kicking around the idea of doing a event month centered around the idea of uh, picking movies with box art that, you know, 
jumped out to us or like resonated with us on some level breeders uh, breed breeders from mm-hmm. 1997 yeah. is getting a blu-ray release um i remember walking by this vhs really? many a time when i was a child um, yes i remember this cover art very well mine's um, gonna be pretty horror driven that's the thing i think almost all of them are yeah <laughs> which makes it's me similar think, to comic books which makes me like, think we should know. push it to like october you know I feel like it would be more of an October kind of deal. Yeah, you're you're not wrong. Maybe maybe like have a pulpy October month or something. Mm-hmm. Like, pulpy October. Like, <laughs> <laughs> pumpkin pulp. Um, yeah, but yeah, Breeders is a movie that I have not seen. Um, but the monster costume at least looks good on the cover. But again, it could be very similar to a comic book where you know the cover art is amazing, and then you crack it open, and it's like, what the fuck is mm-hmm. this? It's like whoever did the interior art for this one was not the guy who did the cover art. <laughs> um, beside, beside that, though, we have a Arrow release of Blood Tide from 1982. Uh, is that James Earl Jones? Yes, it is. And Jose Ferrer, uh, so Miguel Ferrer's dad. Oh. Um, <laughs> um, this is not known to me, but hey, two cool people are in there. Um what else we got here? Uh, we have Ultraman Ace coming out. Uh, I'm not going to say too much more about that because I'm sure Kyle's tired of hearing me talk about Ultraman every every month. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else jumping out to you, Kyle? For this last day now, I, I scroll down. Uh, Angela's Ashes, you can skip that. Um, it's pretty boring. The plight of Irish, uh, the Irish and, like, I think maybe America and the turn of the century. <laughs> Um, that, that cover though always jumped out at me. Just that really pissed off, sad looking boy. It's it's a good cover, I'll give him that. But the movie is boring. Uh, it's kind of gross. It's not gross. I'm sorry. It's just like it's kind of like Gangs of New York is happening outside. But these people, it's just like a dive into like we're we're in Gangs of New York. We're gonna follow this family now. Just see what their life is like. It, it feels like that. Gotcha. Um, well, yeah, we have a whole bunch of anime releases, which um, we don't really talk about too much of here on the show, mostly because I'm not in the know, so I don't know what what is a high-profile release and what isn't. Um, it does look like The Rising of the Shield Hero is a big fucking deal because it's got a big honking box set coming out, though. Um, last one that I'll point out is uh, The Man Standing Next, which is a Korean film. Uh, I want to say the stars... Yep. Lee Byung-hyun. Uh, this is, as far as I understand, about the assassination of the Korean president in the 80s. Um, mm. Like, the equi- the equivalent of the Korean CIA. Like, the head of the Korean CIA sh- had their president shot oh. and, like, took... and, subs- like, subsumed his position. Um, gotcha. In the, in the 80s. <laughs> so, um, if you've ever wondered why, you know, political corruption is often a subject in Korean movies it's because it's a subject in korean society, society yeah. <laughs> um, but um yeah i think that's uh i think that's about it for yeah. may um so yeah kyle um any uh any buys any rentals this month you think um definitely some rentals definitely gonna be uh definitely be watching the invisible man escape from la might be happening um as a rental um i thought there was one i wanted to buy up here let's see what else was a rental uh, Shinya Tsukamoto. Yeah, it's set. $69 for the whole thing. Uh, it's, uh, it's 
it's a bit much for me. Um, maybe a maybe like rent Tetsuo first. It's on Shutter right now, so I think. Um, there you go. I'll, I'll check out Tetsuo on Shutter. Um, let's see what Gretel else. and Hansel. Definitely gonna be renting that. I ran out of time tonight. We ran a little long, so I'm not gonna have time to watch that. Um, gonna finish Terrifier one day, and then. Um, we skipped over it, but the mystery of the ma- the wax museum. Um, I feel like the House of Wax was kind of along the lines of a remake of this. This is from like 1933. I'm guessing it's a horror movie, but um, that's one that it's it's pretty old, um, but it might be kind of fun because it looks I creepy. Like, I want to say uh, it was probably a later version of a similar title. I want to say there was a Vincent Price one um, mm. later than the 30s that my dad always liked. <laughs> I mean, um, I'm looking at some of the shots from this, and if it's in color, it actually looks like it could be kind of fun. Look at, the, click on it, and look at the color palette real quick. Oh wow! Right? Um, yeah. Uh, it has a little bit of a greenish, what, um, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of cool looking. Right? Um, I'm trying to remember. Uh, it has a little bit of a Road to Perdition vibe to it. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. In terms of color palette. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm gonna look this up on Prime. Um, well, for me, uh, I'm definitely going to rewatch The Mask of Zorro. Um, I'm, I don't know that I need to rebuy it, but um, it's on my mind, and I love that movie. I think it's great. Um, the Great Escape is tempting. Um, that is a great fucking movie, and I do have fond memories of it. Um, I might rent Birds of Prey pretty soon. Depending on the yeah, yeah, go for that, dude. <laughs> yeah, if Terrifier is on Shutter, I might watch that. It's on Netflix right now. I don't think it's on Shutter. Gotcha. Uh, and then yeah, that might be it for me. Honestly, that's pretty pretty thin month for me personally. Um, yeah. It's not that they're. I might rent Bloodshot. <laughs> I won't. I won't talk about it though. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> somebody will ask if anyone in the room has seen it, and I'll be like, "Not me." <laughs> um. But yeah, you think we're about done here, Kyle? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Well, that being said, uh, thank you so much for joining us as we caught up on Blu-rays for the month of May 2020. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we'll catch you next time.